0: The first computer in our house when I was growing up was this computer here. A Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Anybody remember the Sinclair Spectrums? Yeah? It was an amazing piece of equipment and was one of the most popular home computers ever made. Some claim that its release way back in 1982 was the single most important factor in the creation of the IT industry in the UK. And me and my brother spent many hours playing it and also fighting over it, as boys do. We enjoyed the games like The Hobbit, Ant Attack, Pac-Man, Kicker Flag, Horoscope, Skiing, and my favourite, which was Manic Miner. It was great fun. My brother, Graham, he was the, the intelligent one in the family. He even started to learn how to computer program on this little computer. But, you know, if if anyone bought a Sinclair ZX Spectrum today, frankly, I think they would be crazy. Why would you want to put up with those rubbery keys? Or the chunky graphics? Or the ridiculously tiny 48 kilobytes of RAM? And also waiting for 10 minutes when you loaded up a game through a cassette player. You know, Games actually on little tapes. Ridiculous. And yet last year, it was announced that there was going to be a relaunch of two restored versions of the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Now I know some middle-aged men are desperate to reclaim their childhood. But in this age of laptops and smartphones and Xboxes and Playstations, why anybody would want to go back to the ZX Spectrum is beyond me. And yet many people do this sort of thing with God. Instead of rejoicing and living in what Christ has done for us, people have tried to go back to aspects of the old covenant that was given to Moses with all of its laws and its rituals and its ceremonies, and its priests, and its sacrifices, and incense, and all of that stuff. They have turned away from the new in favour of the old. This was one of the problems in the church in Corinth in the first century. Those false apostles who were criticising Paul and were trying to drag the church back into the past. They were claiming that what they had through Moses was better than what Paul offered through Christ. And so Paul wrote this next section of 2 Corinthians to teach them that the new is better by far. So we're going to read this amazing passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 down to verse 18. If you don't, if you have a Bible... Open it up and have a look. If not, just listen on as I read it eh, to you. So, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit even more glorious if the ministry that condemns men is glorious how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory and if what was fading away came with glory How much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed. Because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is this spirit. Over in these past few weeks in our kids' clubs, we've been thinking about God's rescue of His people out of Egypt. It's been amazing teaching uh, these kids about how God spoke to Moses, how God called him and empowered him. And he did amazing miracles through him, like the, the ten plagues or, or going through the Red Sea when it opened up and the walls of water on each side and they walked across uh, dry ground. And this week, Damien, if he's prepared in time, uh, will tell the kids... That Moses received God's commands on Mount Sinai. And that when, when, when he was up there, the, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, Exodus 19 says. Because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. The sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Can you imagine being there? And watching and listening to all of that. It was a stunning revelation of God's glory and power and holiness. Without doubt, the old covenant came with glory. This agreement between God and the people of Israel, described and confirmed on this mountain, reflected and revealed the awesomeness and the majesty of God. It was an amazing privilege for them to have been invited into this special relationship with God. And right at the heart of all of this was Moses. He was their leader. He was the the mediator between God and and his people. It was him who climbed up the mountain to speak with God face to face. And bring the commands down back to his people. And this experience had such a profound impact on him that his face literally glowed. Exodus 34 says this, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. In fact, the glory of God was so reflected on Moses' face that the people were terrified when they saw it. And they were so afraid to come close to him that Moses put a veil over his face just so the people could cope with it. And so thinking about all of this, maybe it's not surprising That these false teachers, these false apostles at Corinth were fascinated by Moses and and his ministry. Because they were attracted to people who were impressive and who were powerful. How could get anybody more impressive or powerful or more glorious than Moses? No wonder they tried to pull this church back to Moses and the covenant that he mediated. And when you think of it, and look around, I'm sure you could see lots of people doing exactly the same today. They're impressed by maybe the character and the experience of Moses. Or the laws that he taught, the Ten Commandments and all of them. Or the ceremonies and the festivals that he instituted. Or the the sacred place that he built. Or, or the robes and the dignity of the priest. Or the, the physical sights and smells of the rituals and the sacrifices. And they look all of that and they long to have that today. And so they teach that these things are still important today. They even teach that these things are necessary for us to get to know God today. But Paul completely rejected all of this. As we saw last week, Paul was among the ministers of a new covenant, a new agreement, a new contract between God and people. He'd been called to bring people into this new relationship with God and his people Through the sacrificial death and glorious resurrection of Christ. And this new covenant, far from being inferior to the old that came through Moses, Paul says it is far superior. It is far better. Verse 8 in our passage, he says it's even more glorious. Verse 9, he says it's much more glorious. Verse 10, he says, "It has surpassing glory. But why? Why is the new so much better than the old? Why should we hold on to the new and refuse to go back to any of the aspects of the old? Well, there are loads of answers to this. But in our passage that we just read, I think Paul just focuses on six of them. So we're just going to quickly have a look through them. First of all, the New Covenant is based on a better kind of law. The law of the Old Covenant was engraved in letters on stone. Now this was an amazing gift to his people. Exodus 31 says that when the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the testimony. The tablets of stone inscribed by the fingers of God. Can you imagine that? Being in possession of these tablets written, literally written by God. God's laws written by God to know how to live in relationship with God. But the law of the new covenant. Far better. Because it's not written with the finger of God on tablets of stone, but it's written through the ministry of the Spirit. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. This is what the prophets in the Old Testament are looking forward to. This is what they were longing for. When God's laws wouldn't be an external list of rules and regulations, of do's and don'ts. But God's law would be internalized and lived out in reality in human hearts. Jeremiah, for example, in Jeremiah 31, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Ezekiel 36, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Not an external list of rules and regulations, but written in our hearts and in our minds. And in Christ this has become a reality. By his Holy Spirit he's come to live in us. To change our hearts and empower us from the inside out to follow His will and to honour Him in our lives. So there's a better better law in the new. But in this new covenant, even this spirit-empowered obedience is not the basis of our standing before God. We are not right with God because we obey God through His, the power of His Holy Spirit. There's an even better judgment, a better foundation for our lives. Paul says in verse 9, The Old Covenant is the ministry that condemns men. When Moses declared the law, its requirements and responsibilities, the people responded With lots of enthusiasm, everything the Lord has said, we will do. And that's what the law required. If you were going to become right with God through the law, you needed to have total obedience to the total amount of the law. 100% obedience. But of course the people didn't do this. Because they couldn't do this. No matter how much they tried, they could not keep the demands of the law. See, those people who claim, oh, I just live by the Ten Commandments. Nice idea. But they don't. Nobody can. And so Paul says in Romans chapter 3, no one. No one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Nobody gets right with God by living a good life. Paul goes on, rather through the law we become conscious of sin. God's law doesn't make us right with him knowing that God's standard for us is to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, doesn't make us right with God. It doesn't mean that we're going to love God that way or love other people as ourselves. It doesn't remove our, self, our selfishness. It doesn't destroy our self-centeredness. Rather, God's law just shows how far short of God's standard we fall in our lives. Because none of us love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. And none of of us love our neighbor as ourselves. So the law doesn't make us right with God. It just shows us that we're not right with God. But the new covenant is different. Because it's not based on what we do. It's based on what Jesus has done. Paul goes on in Romans 3. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. When Jesus died on the cross, He paid the price in full for our sin. So that through simple faith in Him, we can be declared righteous with God. Once and for all. The old condemned us because we couldn't live up to God's standard. The new gives us the righteousness of Jesus. The only one who did live up to God's standard. And so the result of these two different covenants is so different. The old one, the old covenant brought death. This was not the fault of Moses or the fault of the law because the law was holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. God's law is a good thing. But the fault was in us. Who couldn't live up to the demands of the law. And so we were condemned to experience death and separation from God forever. Because the wages of sin is death. That's what the law ends up in. If you want to try and live by the law, this is the result. But Paul continued in Romans chapter 6. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Through simple faith in Jesus. Through just trusting in Him. We can be declared righteous and be given life in all its fullness. An intimate relationship with God now. And one that goes on forever and ever. Of course, the people of Israel didn't understand all of this at the time. And it's still true for all those who are trying to live in that old way of trying to get themselves right with God through keeping the rules and regulations and rituals and sacrifices and all of those things. Paul actually saw Moses' veiled face as a picture of the fact that in the old covenant, people's minds are always veiled. Even to this day, Paul says, when Moses is read, when the Old Covenant, when the Old Testament is read, a veil covers their hearts. Yes, there is a revelation in the Old, in the old Testament, but it's an incomplete revelation. It's not a clear revelation. Paul calls it elsewhere that these rules and regulations are a shadow of the things that were to come. These regulations, these rules, these laws, these rituals, these ceremonies. They they give an impression of God. They give an impression of who He is. And how we can get right with Him. But we know that a shadow... A shadow doesn't give all the details of the object that's making that shadow. You can see the rough outline... You can sometimes tell something about that person as they stand there with the shadow pointing forward. But it doesn't give the details. And so the law didn't give a full revelation of God. And so those still stuck trying to become right with God through keeping the law don't fully understand. They don't fully understand God. They don't fully understand the depth of their sinfulness. They don't fully understand the complete inability for them to save themselves or become right with God through their efforts. And they don't understand the need of forgiveness. Or the need of a saviour. The old covenant was a shadow. A rough outline of the truth. The reality, however, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, is found in Christ. Look to the law and you get a rough outline, a rough idea of God. But look to Christ and you see the reality of who God is. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of His being. If we want to know who God is, if we want to know what is, how, what is required of us, if we want to know how we can get to know Him, We just need to look to Jesus. And we can see Him. So Paul says in verse 16 of our passage, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's like the scales fall from the eyes. Like Paul's experience was when he was on a road to Damascus, travelling down there as a persecutor of the church, as an enemy of Jesus, and he saw Jesus face to face and his eyes were opened to the reality of who Jesus is and what he accomplished on the cross and this is what happens when anybody turns to the Lord the veil is taken away and we see the reality of the truth and it's that truth that sets us free it's the truth of seeing Jesus as he truly is, sets us free. Those who live in the old covenant, the Bible describes them as being in slavery. Back in Galatians 4, it says, one covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are are to be slaves. Because they're enslaved to try and keep the rules. To try and do what's right every single day. Trying to be the best person that they can be. Hoping that they are good enough for God. They are left constantly trying. But never achieving the freedom and the fulfillment that they long for. They can never be truly free from guilt and condemnation. But those who come into the new covenant through the faith in Jesus, they are set free. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Instead of living under the demands and the obligations of the law, endlessly trying to check the rules to make sure that we still qualify and being held captive to guilt and fear, We are called to live in this freedom of being absolutely sure that we belong to God. Being secure in the fact that we are a child of God. Being certain of a relationship with God. Free from condemnation. Free from guilt. Free from fear. Free from death. But finally, this isn't freedom to live any way that we want. Rather, this is the freedom to live the life that we are created to live all along. The glory of the, the old covenant was fading. Paul again looks to Moses and the veil over his face. And he says that Moses did this to keep the Israelites from gazing at his face when the radiance was fading away. That shining face was the result of spending time in God's presence. And so over time it just faded away. Moses was concerned that the Israelites would see that fading glory and that would prevent them from obeying God's law. But Paul sees that as a picture of what was happening to the old covenant itself. Yes, the old covenant with its rules and its sacrifices and its rituals and its sacred places and all of that it came with glory. But that glory was fading because the old covenant itself was fading away. The old covenant came with glory, but the glory was fading because the old covenant only had a temporary role in the purpose and plan of God. That's because, as Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. The purpose of these ten commandments, the purpose of these sacrifices, these rituals, the priesthood, the holy places, all of that. The purpose of that was to lead us to trusting in Jesus. So that we could be declared right with God through simply trusting in him. Through simply putting our faith in him. And so Paul says that Christ is the end of the law. Christ is its goal. Christ is its purpose. Christ is its ultimate fulfillment. So if we put our faith and trust in Christ, then we don't need to go back to living under the rules and the regulations and the rituals of the law. Instead, we live by the Holy Spirit. And through Him, We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory. In Jesus not only have our sins been forgiven, not only have we been declared righteous in God's sight, not only have we been adopted into God's family as a child of God, We've also received the Holy Spirit who comes and works in us transforming our lives producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness faithfulness and self-control producing within us the character of Christ reflecting the glory of God and God has promised that this transformation instead of diminishing like the old covenant, is increasing. Because he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What an amazing truth to hold on to today. That God is committed to the process of changing our lives so that we will be, can be confident that that process will continue until it's complete on the day that Jesus comes back. And on that day, when He appears, when Jesus appears, we shall be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. One day, we will share fully in the glory of God Because we will be like Christ. So this is why Paul doesn't want us to go back to the old. Yes, the old came with glory so that Moses' face shone. Yes, it was written on stone with the finger of God. But it was a veiled revelation that led to slavery, condemnation and death. And it's ultimately, it's glory faded. Because it was designed to point us to the new and better covenant. And that new and better covenant came through Christ. And in Christ, we have the law written in our hearts. In Christ, we have been declared righteous in God's sight. In Christ, we have received eternal life. In Christ, our eyes have been opened to the revelation of God. In Christ, we've been set free to live for God. And in Christ, we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ with ever-increasing glory. So I hope none of us here will be ever deceived. Yes, the old was good. But the new is better by far. I pray that each of us will live in that, in the reality and the joy and the freedom of the new.